We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. going on welcome to the dgd podcast as always robert reynolds here boy what a weekend for the dogs all right we're gonna start we're gonna jump straight in here first off again i hope everybody in the bones brigade is having a great day so far we got a lot to talk about obviously before we jump into our mailbag uh juan should be here shortly um with that being said let's jump straight into this okay one of our biggest rivals probably had a very bad weekend, to say the least. Um, and if I can say this politely, Billy Napier and R. Kelly have something in common, and they were both trapped in the closet. And I think Billy might still be trapped in the closet because Florida is just having a rough weekend, right? If you listen to the show Friday, you already know. We talked about it Friday. The fans are getting impatient. Billy had to come out and address that. And then over the weekend, you watch your prized quarterback that's been a lean to you for quite some time go to your rival in state. Now, this Jaden Rashada comes out from California, is expected to commit, and then does not. He commits to uh, Miami. When there's more to talk about here, we might have a Reynolds rant coming uh, just depends on how I feel. But not only do you lose Jaden Rashada, you also have a kid that's, a, uh, I want to say, a four-star, taking an official visit and commit to your other rival, Florida State, on the official visit. On the official visit, you, you basically get a kid to commit maybe 30 minutes after the official visit, I think, is after all the things. That is a terrible look, absolutely terrible look if you're the Florida Gators. Your fans are already impatient. It would not surprise me to see this guy be in Brian Harson before the season even starts at this point. Florida's literally watching Florida State, Miami, Georgia just come in and keep shoving Billy Bags in the, in the locker, in the closet, and not, and not letting him out, okay? Not letting him out. Uh, and as Patrick says here, uh, gator garbage. Sorry, guys. It's just the way it is. 
It's just the way it is until proven otherwise. Um, but let's jump into the more serious topic here. Um, and, and how I'm feeling right now, I, th I think it does it does warrant the rental track, guys. It, so prepare yourselves. Um, not only not only do you see what happens with Rashad going to Miami, but later that night, uh, I want to say um, breaks news breaks reports drop out about the figures behind Jaden Rashada's deal nil deal apparently, um, and, and and the guy Michael Caspino is a California lawyer apparently known as the nil lawyer or whatever um, basically went out and let out a report right Jaden's got a nine and a half million dollar deal to go to Miami uh, and strangely enough did you know take took less uh apparently and this is apparently because neither here or neither confirmed uh nor denied um florida offered 11 million and he turned that down to go to miami um so you know from an, from a high level standpoint that's another thing if this is to be true right florida had a really bad weekend and that right there took less money right to go to your rival uh would be a slap in the face how Ever. I'm not here to speculate, but the problem with this is right here. In my opinion, I feel like that is a blatant NCAA violation because while kids in California can sit there and they can take NIL money in, or in high school, that isn't applicable everywhere. With that being said, moving forward, how do you clarify these rules, these states, you know, you need some kind of federal regulation, I would assume, or uniform regulation done by the NCAA, but there's nothing to be done. And until that's done, who knows what the hell that means for college athletics? Because the NCAA's incompetence as an organization continues to be slapped, continues to slap every single one of us in the face. I'm not saying that kids should not get money for name, image, and likeness. I've been an advocate for that since before NIL became legalized. However, I do think that pay for play, which is what, in my opinion, that was last night, is going to hurt the game of college athletics and really as an entity uh, very soon. Absolutely very soon. Uh, you're, you're walking a dangerous line. But the people, and I'm talking about us, fans, have been calling for this for months, even before this happened. Some sort of regulation. How do you keep this regulated? How do you keep this somewhat fair, right? NCAA didn't listen to you. They didn't listen to me. And now we get what we got, okay? Now you're sitting there, you're seeing nine and a half million. If this is true, Rashada goes to Miami. Right? Nico was a, uh, rumored eight million. Who knows what Arch Manning, if he got an NIL deal uh, to go to Texas, right? We're not going to hear the, that number. But what is that doing to the game? Right. And for me, and this might be my get off my lawn moment, but I think last night was a, a perfect representation of pay for play and why it's going to hurt the game of it hurt the really college athletics as a whole. I, I just think that it will. And until something's done, I blame the adults in the room, NCAA, for not regulating this, knowing that it should have been done years in advance you knew this was coming but you did nothing about it you did nothing you stood on your high horse and tried to keep the amateurism for as long as you could without creating a backup plan 
knowing that eventually these kids would need to get paid or should get paid, but you chose not to. And now you have the Wild West. Who knows what the fuck comes next? You really don't know. Who's to say A&M's class would become ultimately one player? Who knows? I mean, I'm just saying it could. Just saying it could. Um, you know, but moving on from the rant per se. Sorry, and rant, guys. Uh, Patrick asks, can they put a cap on NIL dollars? Uh, would that help at all? I, I think it could, right? I, I think that's a step in the right direction. However, I, I think, in my opinion, you look at the the scope of NIL, and, and I think it should be if you're a enrolled student at a university, you're more than welcome to, you know, get into that, right? Uh, but the law of economics of human behavior states that humans are adaptive. They will find loopholes. That's what they do, right? You need a federal regulation because states can do different things. We saw what happened with NIL anyway the first time before it got legalized. You sit here, you watch states like California, Texas, Georgia, right? Push for these NIL, uh, you know, passing right, per se, and it forced the NCAA to open it. The NCAA needs to be proactive here, and they are not, and I don't think they will be proactive on trying to regulate some form of, you know, NIL in this regard, right? They're, in my opinion, right, kids can, you know, every state can say that, you know, kids can get NIL, uh, and to that point, I understand that right there, uh, but I feel like you have to find a way to keep it out of recruiting because and like I, said, I don't see it being something that's very it's it's going to be difficult right it's going to be difficult uh people will find loopholes just what human nature tells you uh but some sort of regulation i think needs to be done sooner rather than later to try to preserve the current state of the game right we understand the game's been dirty i'm not i'm not being naive about that i i do think that we have to stop it at some point what or we what can the ncaa do to stop this because if you're not careful you really you might want to contemplate on that just be safe um but that's new here nor there right um but last night if you're not careful that is that is barking up the wrong tree in the wrong direction uh for nil uh like i said i want kids to get paid i get that or kids deserve to get paid but I think we got to do something to regulate it. Uh, that was just blatant, right? Per name out there, schools out there, figure numbers out there. And, and I'm telling you, it was it was it had to have been calculated. But moving on to the topic that everybody wants to hear, and that is the Monday mailbag. That is the Monday mailbag, and we're going to go ahead and go start with some questions here. Uh, that we received, right? Uh, and let's start with let's start with this. D. Jasper, will Carson Beck or Brock take over as QB one, and how much room for error does UGA give Stetson? Which also ties into Clemson, dude. Will Bennett hold on to QB one? So I'm going to answer these both at the same time. I'll answer Clemson dudes first. I think Bennett will hold on to the QB one spot, and I will tell you why. The reason why I think he will is because if you look at what he did last year, you he, he came in, had no off-season preparation, 
comes in, takes over, and leads us to a national title. You can argue with me about the defense doing this and doing that, but it still takes the quarterback managing the game, being efficient, you know, limiting turnovers, uh, obviously being smart with the ball, utilizing the weapons, all this stuff, and he got it done. Now you give him a full offseason as a starter. Somebody comes and has to take it away from him, right? Until he until he shows he is not capable or someone is more than capable to take over for him, he will hold on to the spot. And looking at our schedule, I think that he will hold on to it for the season. Just the way they see it. And even if it makes it feel better, I think you look at it as, you know, unless something drastic happens or him like or he gets hurt, right? Let's if you have to account for injury, you know, sure. But it, we don't, we, you know, you can't really account for an injury, Clemson. So, for now, I think he holds on to it for the season. However, moving to G. Jasper's question, will Carson Beck or Brock take over as QB1? And the how much room for error? I think you see a decent amount of error, right, um, given for him, right? Uh, he just, he, listen, he just won you a national title. You roll with the guy, right? But... In the instance that he would be benched or if he got hurt and the next man up were to come, I think that's Carson Beck. Carson, you know, I was sitting there, I was expecting, I think most all of us were expecting him to be, you know, available last season. He was our backup. Kirby came out and said it, but then the practice situation happened, right? Going into UAB. He has to he has to understand and practice as well as he can. If not, you're going to see Car uh, you're going to see Brock Vandercrift, right? But in my opinion, I think Carson is next man up, and I think he's more than capable of winning ball games for us as as Georgia fans. It's a good problem to have. It's not a quarterback competition. More so, what you know position like you have multiple quarterbacks that can win games for you, right? I don't think there's a competition. I think Stetson has shown that he's quarterback one for now. So thank you for those questions right there. Moving on, the fan addict. Do you think Kirby went all in on Arch, knowing that if he didn't commit to the G, we still had a room full of good QBs, and now Kirby will focus on QB in the 2024 cycle? Uh the fanatic, the fanatic shoots that question out there. Uh, and, and to answer that question, I, I think the whole intent was for him to try to, you know, go all in on that. Um, you might see a quarterback come in this class, but it's not your top tier in this class. Uh, you know, Dante Moore is not going to come in. Obviously, Rashada just committed. Uh, you have a Dylan Lonergan out there. There's a couple guys out there. Um, but in my opinion, I do think that you see, you know, maybe Kirby punts on this class, depending on how things go punts on the class and focuses to an just, I wouldn't say just as deep. Uh, it's very deep uh, quarterback class in a 24 cycle. Um, Julian saying you've got Dylan, uh, Jaden Davis, just to name a couple, right? You could try to see if you can get Dylan Raiola. I think that ship has sailed. I think he is a, pretty much a lock to Ohio state, but I do think you see him, you know, go heavy on a 2024 kid. No, no questions asked. You might get a quarterback in the 23 class. We'll see. Right, we'll see. All right, next question comes into J. Mitch Alday and asks, is Clemson done? And what he means by that, 
what results will Dabo's philosophical opposition to the current climate in CFB, vis uh, vis the portal and IL, what will that yield? And how far would Clemson have to slide before their admin starts asking some hard questions? Now, this isn't necessarily Georgia related, but it's a, it's a rival question, and I, and I will do my best to answer this. You know, I think, right, I think a lot of this, you know, listen, he has brought them two national titles to answer your question, Mitch. He's brought them two national titles. It's going to take a lot for that to really, you know, start to kind of change things, right? But if you look at what happened so far for Clemson in June, right, they've taken several kids. Right? They had a ton of commits. Now, will that yield results on the field? We'll see, right, because – after this year, you'll probably lose your guys on the defensive line, uh, Brzee, Miles Murphy, right? You'll, you'll start to lose those guys. And with that being said, will those same guys that you're recruiting now and, and in this past cycle, will they produce the same production? You know, but also how will the defense look? How will the offense look, right? Because keep in mind, this is the first piece of adversity that he's really had. So you lose Tony Elliott, you lose Brent Venables. What is your team identity going to look like? Um, and that's going to be the interesting piece for me. But nonetheless, I do think, you know, it, you would have to have consecutive subpar seasons. And by subpar, I mean probably eight and four, seven and five. I think it, have, it would have to stoop that low. Um, but it, I think Dabo has built himself a pretty nice leash, uh, especially he's got a lot of length on that, considering, you know, considering he had two titles. Uh, you know, but in the scope of college football and everything like that, it's it's a cutthroat business, you know, and anything can happen. So, uh, you know, I, I think you look at it that right there. You know, it, it's definitely interesting to see uh, nonetheless. Uh, but while we do that, uh, we're going to transition over for a second. And let's let's shout out Juan Fan Club. OK, so obviously the brigade in here. I want to see hashtag Juan Fan Club in the chat, guys. Let, drop a hashtag one fan club if you're listening. If you don't know, we are the fan club for your very own Juan Daniels, the co-host of the DGD podcast. It's what we do. It's what we do, right? It's what we do. But also, you know, I'm looking at it this way right here. Right? Like, subscribe, right? Obviously on YouTube. So, and, you know, if you're listening or whatever, make sure to like and follow, right? Follow, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Hey, ring the bell as we get the first one fan club in. Let's go, boys. Let's go. Oh, look at that right there. There we go. They're starting to pop in, folks. They're starting to pop in. All right, moving on. Listen, if you also, if you're in the brigade, if you're not familiar with what the brigade is, the Bones Brigade is our chat for the show, right? So in the comments, feel free to drop a comment, ask a question. This, I guess you could do a live mailbag if we would like. Um, so we can do that as well. <laughs> uh, and I do not I do not know where he is just yet. He should be here shortly, though. So just letting you know. Um, but moving on to our next question, um, and it comes from our very own Roots. Uh, what are our main wide receiver recruiting targets for the year with so many transfers? I think, right, and where it stands right now, you got to figure out. I think you look at, you know, because you got Raymond Cottrell, which I think will be very good, uh, you know, but you want to add to that, right? And with that being said, I think you look at 
I think Jalen Hell would be a good addition to this class. I think Hakeem Williams is another great addition to this class. Uh, you know, those are my two main guys right now. Whether they hit or miss, I don't know. But I trust BMAC to find the guys to come in this class. You know, obviously, we're fairly good at receiver right now, right? Uh, but you do have to hit on some guys, right? I, I think Tyler Williams is another one. I think Tyler Williams would be an. addition to the class if he comes in, right? Um, so, you know, with that being said, answer for his question, I think you look at those names right there and go from there. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, Patrick sent one 63 question and he's busy reading them. So that would make sense. Um, so there you go. All right, next question. Josh Wingate uh, asks, what should we expect from the defense early on? And if you don't know, uh, you know, we lose eight, get drafted, right? And we, you know, we lost a ton of guys. But the, but the cupboard isn't bare, right? So early on, you know, I, I think you look at the Oregon game. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. But I, I expect our defense to kind of take a slight step back. It's hard to put that kind of expectations from what we saw last year and what the production statistics were to what it should, you know, what we think it should be this year, right? I think with all we've lost, there should be some step back, some step back. Um, but with that being said, you know, I still think our defense will be a top 10 defense. Uh, statistics prove that Kirby will not let it go that far down. He just won't. So it'll be a, it'll be a very good defense. Uh, you know, you look at guys, the defensive line, you lose Jordan Davis, you lose, you know, you lose Devontae Wyatt, uh, you know, you lose Trayvon Walker, right? All of our line, or the three guys, right? Quay, Channing, N'Kobe. Yeah, how are you going to replace that, right? You lose Darian Kendrick. You know, so there's a lot of talent to be replaced. But you, but the cover, like I said, isn't bare, guys. It's really not. You still have Jalen Carter. You still have Nolan Smith. You've got guys like Robert Bill, William Poole. Uh, Chris Smith, Tyke Smith in the secondary, Keely Ringo, right? Uh, you know, but then when it comes to linebackers, you're replacing basically three starters. So with that being said, you look to guys like uh, Pop, right? You look at guys like Jonathan Dumas Johnson, aka Pop. Uh, you look at Smile Mondin. You look at, you know, what can Jalen Carter do? I mean, not Jalen Carter, but Jalen Walker. Sorry, what can he do? Can he come in and, and vie for playing time? Uh, you still got, like I said, Robert Bill. And, and, you know, all these guys that are ready to go. Um, and and as, as, let's see, here we go. Good question here. Uh, Roots says he's concerned in safety. Um, and I think to your point, you know, you have Chris Smith uh, playing one of the safeties. But then, is it Dan Jackson, right? Or, you know, I, I don't, I think Malachi Sarks could fight for that, but I don't see it happening right away. Uh, you know, Tyke Smith's probably expected to play in the star or, you know, something like that. So uh, the concern is there, right? And as Ruth says, we need an enforcer. I think you see Chris Smith kind of do that. Um, I think he'll step up. I think he'll step up. Um, but the concern is there, right? And Kirby has said that, you know, kind of dangerously thin. Don't, for, don't forget about Ja'Cory Thomas, right? I think those are some guys that you could see, that you could see kind of sought under the radar and make an impact. Could, right? Could make an impact there. <clears throat> so thank you for that question, Ruth. 
with that being said, let's move on to the next question here. And I think it's a good one. It's a good one. <clears throat> Probably my hardest question that I had to understand and read. Our very own UGA Spike Squad uh, asked, which Spike Squad character is your favorite? And it is a perfect time to plug the Blackout the Bins campaign. Hashtag Blackout the Bins, right? Obviously, the Spike Squad is wanting us to blackout the bins on our game against uh, Oregon. Uh, but I'm going to answer your question as well while this graphic is up. And my man Ric Flair over there, if you can't see it, I'm sorry, but there is a Ric Flair impersonator that is a part of the Black Squad, the, the Black Spike Squad. Our man Ric Flair over here has to be my favorite. Um, but going back, right, going back, I also liked the Joker, right? There was there was one that had the Joker on it, and I thought that was awesome too. Uh, but if I had to go right now, I'd have to say Ric Flair. I'm a wrestling guy. I really am. So when you have Ric Flair, give me a woo. You know what I mean? We're good to go. We're good to go there. So um, Roots throughout this. Um, Roots throughout Keely Ringo's mama, Traley, is his favorite Spike Squad member ever. And you know what? To that point, that's another good. That's a great one to have, too. Uh, and also throws the hashtag fuck answer. Absolutely. Anybody going through that, uh, experience that. I think we all agree with that sentiment there. And we get the woo. And we get the woo. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, listen, as always, you know, listen, we're, we got the cancer chance going on. Beat cancer now. Uh, I think we all can agree. Now, listen, at the same time, I do. Listen, don't don't judge me for having to choose a favorite. It's a question. I had to do it. I love all the Spike Squad. I love the Spike Squad as a whole. But this, when the Spike Squad asks you a question and you have to choose one, sorry, guys. So don't take it personal. I love you all. I love the Spike Squad. So keep that in mind. Okay? Keep that in mind. Love the Spike Squad. Okay? With that being said, we're going to open it up for a Q&A for the brigade. Q&A. We're going to continue the mailbag. As, as we got the roll call here, Rudes, the 6033 DGD, Joe, uh, <clears throat> you know, Michael B in the chat. What are some questions, concerns, you know, that you're interested or, you know, that you're, you have thoughts about, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty big, I, you know, pretty big deal, you know, to try to figure out some of these questions. It's, it's pretty important. Uh, while we wait for some stuff to come up, though, I do want to give a shout out to my man, Brooks Austin, uh, apparently is about to be a daddy of two, uh, if not already. So congratulations to Brooks uh, Austin for that. Uh, our boy over there, Mr. Beezus. As Roots throws up the first question here, let's see what he says. Who shows up next to Jalen Carter as a rotational or consistent names along the defensive line specifically or specifically while at defensive tackle? I think you look at uh, Warren Brinson, if he can be consistent. Um, Nazir Stackhouse, I think will be another good name. I think you see those two. Um, I think those two are going to be the guys. Uh, to do. But then don't forget, don't forget my man. Notorious TID, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. I think that man is primed for a breakout year. Um, so it, obviously, and listen, this is just the this is just the situation that we're in. You have all of these guys that are going to be good good players, 
but you can rotate them in still. Uh, shout out to Coach Scott for that. Just saying. Um, yeah, just saying. Let's see. Yes, absolutely, Rudy. It's already. All right. Patrick asks, does Branson Robinson make a deep impact in his freshman year? Uh, I think he will not in a sense that he will play, but I do think that they want to put him in a, like a fourth fourth down situation. It's kind of like a Dejon Edwards has been playing, right? Because it's just what we do, right? Because you've got – you know, Ken, you've got Kenny McIntosh, you've got Kendall Milton, they're probably going to be a one and two. Listen, Dejon has earned that number three back, uh, unless unless we see through summer camp and, and, and fall camp that Branson Robinson's just that too damn good, uh, and then you see him take over Dejon. I love Dejon personally. I love what he brings as a running back. Um, so you, how do you fit that three? You see those three rotated in. I think you'll see Branson Robinson playing as well. Uh, so how I don't know about a deep impact for that. But I do think he can – I think he definitely will provide that fresh – those fresh legs, fourth quarter situations, uh, third and shorts, right? I think he is, you know, you know, I think he's just – he's just going to be ready for a short down situation. Give him some time to make sure he develops into, you know, the offensive scheme, whether it be, uh, you know, the passing game more so than anything. Um, we get – we get the Gator garbage again. Uh, never a bad time to plug Gator garbage, okay? Um, Michael B. asks, oh, man, how much does it suck to be a Florida fan right now? Dude, it, right now? Is, I, that's my answer. Right now? Question mark? I don't it, – it's, it's never a good – it's never a good time to be a Florida fan anyway. It just never is. So it always sucks. Michael, to answer your question, it always sucks because you're a Gator fan, right? Like, it just makes it even worse what you just went through this weekend. Not sorry. Not sorry at all. Ruse asks, how does Lad McConkey's role evolve this year? Wasn't he primarily? Was primarily a slot uh, as a freshman. Definitely looking at Lad, I think you take – I think you take maybe – he has to evolve. I think you could put him on the outside. Make him be an outside guy. He's, he's, he's shown he can run past people, right? But at the same time, you still hold those re- reservations, right? You hold those reservations based off of what he can do against cornerbacks, number one and two, if anything. Um, you know, the slot, you put him in that situation. I think you see him do that, right? I think you put him outside and and just let it roll, right? Um, you know, and, and as Michael here says, um, you know, Lad's going to play the Z with KJ and uh, Blaylock in the slot. Kiaris Jackson was a great slot receiver, Blaylock as well. Um, you know, and I can't wait to see Blaylock, by the way, uh, coming back from injury. Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint playing as well. So for me, you know, I, I think he, I think his role does evolve. He, I don't see why it shouldn't. Right? I know AD Mitchell's going to be probably a, a staple out there, you know. But at the same time, if he needs to take a break too, so I think if he does, you could either put, you know, put him at Z or replace men for AD. Honestly, he's got great route running, and he's physical enough that I think he can do it and still, burn, you know, get people over the top. His role should evolve. So great question there. 
6033 asks, does Brock Bowers fall into the sophomore slump? Personally, I don't. Or personally, 6033 does not think so. Uh, that's a good question, right? I think the sophomore slump, you're going to see people game plan against them, right? But in my opinion, there's too many weapons to do that because you can focus on him, but other people are going to burn you. And when they do that, you have to focus on that other person, right? So say, for instance, Eric Gilbert has a day, right? <clears throat> if he has a day, if he's having a good day and he's gotten receptions and a touchdown or whatever, do you double team him? Then you open up Brock Bowers. If you want to run 13 personnel, uh, like our guy Mike B says here. So I don't think it, I don't think it matters. I think he's going to see a lot of production anyway. I think you see a step down in production. Barring injuries and people staying healthy, I think you see us spread it around more. I think I think Brock was very went under the radar for most of the year, but he's just that he's that damn good too. Um, so people know that what's he's about now. I, I, but I, I still think you don't necessarily see a sophomore slump more so than you just see production regression. Uh, and and that's from just being able to you know move the ball around more. Right, more weapons. You know, I, I still think Todd Monk is going to find that situation. Right? He's going to he's going to be situational, find out where he needs to get the ball to, find mismatches, exploit mismatches, and win Georgia football games. That's just the way. I, that's just the way it's got to be. So, I don't necessarily think there's going to be a sophomore slump. It just depends on how you what you view a, slump, a sophomore slump to be. Like if it's like a drastic change, then no, I don't see that drastic of a change. Mike B says, I don't think it's going to be possible to get a 1K receiver this year because there are too many options or weapons. I 100% agree with you. I completely agree with you there. And we're, you know, this whole notion of Georgia, you know, the whole Stetson situation, it, it's ironic, and I think it's laughable to me, how people keep overlooking the offense. Everybody's like, oh, your defense is what got you where you did. Did our defense throw touchdowns? We had to execute on offense at least, right? Average near 40 points a game. Defense didn't score 40 points a game for you. So there's something there, right? Everybody, oh, it's just Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers was featured a lot, but nobody wanted to do nothing about it to stop him. Couldn't stop him, right? So, yeah. You sit there, you see those situations right there. Now you look at A.D. Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell came in clutch, right? Jackson Meeks is another one I think could have a good season too. Um, you know, but you look at, you know, Lab McConkie. Lab McConkie stepped up, had several good games. Keep, keep that in mind. So you see a lot of these guys <clears throat> stepping up when they need to and executing when their numbers call, and it produces wins and dominant wins at that matter. We didn't really lose that much on the offense. You lose your main burden, sure, but you didn't really lose that much, right? Yes, you have to worry about the defense. Fair. But I trust Kirby Smart to get that situated. If anything, I trust him to focus on defense, right? I think that's acceptable to say. Um, Patrick asks, where's one? Hey, I, he might be at a luncheon still, so keep that in mind. So, We'll try to prolong it if we can. If not, we will catch him Friday. 
Um, so apparently Joel's question is who will be backing up Setson this year? I think Carson. Um, I would love to say Brock as well. I think Brock's in a good situation. <clears throat> um, I just think that you look at Carson Beck as being that guy, right? He was supposed to be the guy last year. Obviously, we saw what happened. Nonetheless, I think I, I think you have to until unless something changes otherwise. I think you look at it as being Carson and then Brock. I think Brock is still going to take that year to absorb the offense again. Keep that in mind. Uh, he came in, understanding the playbook is a key for him. Did, did a fairly good job as a freshman. There's still a lot to learn in this offense, especially with what Munkin's doing. It's kind of complex. So, you know, just because you came in one year, you're not ready 100%. That's okay, right? You're not forced into a situation where you feel like you're, you know, you're forced to be the starter, right? Quinn Ewers ain't touched a snap. I ain't, ain't played a snap in college, and he's about to be the guy at Texas. Sink or swim at that point, right? You don't have to do that if you're Brock Vandergriff, right? You just don't. So take it for what it's worth. I think you see Carson Beck be your backup. Uh, Mike B. asked, can Georgia get to 40 sacks this season? And honestly, that's a good question. Um, and he adds to that. If so, what's the outline look like for that to happen? Is it Nolan Smith stepping up? Is it incoming freshman uh, MJJ, Marvin Jones Jr., Michael stepping up, Bradley Bill possibly taking over? I think I think it's possible to get 40. Uh, looking at the schedule, um, if if you had to put a if you had to put a gun to my head, I'm gonna say you get high 30s, but I think you can get 40. I'll say you get 40. So yes, um, looking at the schedule, it's going to be interesting to see. Is all I'm going to say. But if you had to choose, I think you see an expanded role with Nolan Smith, and I also see guys Jalen Carter is going to dominate, and that should open up guys like. Tyron Ingram Dawkins or Warren Brinson. Um, I think you're going to kind of see this balanced effect, right? You you know, you might have guys on the outside, the linebackers being able to run free. The problem is losing Jordan Davis. You don't have that guy to eat the space to allow the linebackers to run free. You, you could see that, but will it, it, I just don't think it'll be the same. I just don't see it being the same. So, you're going to have to find different ways to produce those havoc plays, get to the quarterback, sack the quarterback. You know, is that is that a disguised blitz off the edge? Is it, you know, basically bringing Michael Williams in, Kristen Miller in, Marvin Jones playing a part? Maybe. But I think Kirby, Coach Scott, Coach Schumann will find a way. And with our schedule, I do think on the season, Georgia can get to 40 sacks. Uh, 6033 asks, do you see Gunner sticking around or transferring out, knowing the competition in the quarterback room? Honestly, I think you see him stick around. Um, I, I think the question would be, if you look, I mean, just think about it. You know, you have, you know, the, you have Stetson this year. Then it's Carson in theory. Carson could play one year, bounce. Then it's you know, then you could sit there and see uh, Brock play a year and bounce, right? We saw what happened with Bama when you wait, right? You have that one season, Mac Jones waits, boom, goes goes to the league, right? I think 
that's beneficial for quarterback development. Just, I just think so, right? I understand kids want to play, and it's in today's world, the transfer portal is a thing like that, right? If the if the transfer portal wasn't a thing, I don't I don't see that situation occurring. Having these guys in this room at one time like that, I think that overall, I think you see them stay because if you just wait, right? There's been it up it's going to be tough uh, ultimately I would I would say he stays but it would not shock me if he did unfortunately so yeah um let's see yeah Joe asked it's going to be fun to watch for sure last year really evolved right we really evolved so that's part of the fun and also shoots out the one fan club and one is gone yeah he'll be back I promise he was lost, but now he's found. Okay, so keep that in mind. Um, with that being said, I think we can wrap this up here, folks, uh, for the day. Let's make sure, like I said, as if you're listening, uh, if you're watching, first off, if you're watching, wherever you're watching, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, ring the bell to get notified when we go live. That helps. It helps the show, and it's completely free. Uh, if you're if you are listening. Make sure to follow. Hey, give us a review. Tell us what you really feel about the show, right? I can. I got some thick skin, so if you want to sit there and shoot us a, a shitty review, that's okay. I'll read it. Oh, you, you trashed Florida too much. Okay. Either way, let us know what you think about the show, whether you like it, hate it. Let us know. The only way we can get better is to see reviews and what people think. Simple enough. I keep putting out content. It does not matter if I don't hear back and get engagement from the folks listening and watching. Right? As always, hashtag one fan club. Go dogs. Sickle. Make sure to tune in Friday, guys. Got a busy show. We're gonna. We got the. We've got a plethora of content getting ready, getting prepped for y'all, uh, especially especially after media days. Up until the start of the season, if things go well, we've got that already planned out for you. Uh, we'll talk more about that Friday. <laughs> and you know what? Apparently, we, you know, someone, uh, 63 things that we don't bash Florida enough here. Hashtag Gator Garbage. Mm, Ain't that a shame, folks? We Apparently, we, we're not doing a good enough job. So uh, we'll find a way to. We'll find a way to get a jab at those lousy, stinking gators, okay? Uh, with that being said, have a great rest of your day, and catch y'all Friday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.